0: Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook Noctis Point, Chapter 19 Tell me again why I shouldn't destroy both moons from orbit, Emperor Cutter said. Haven't you been listening to a word I've said? Ariadne adjusted herself on the black padded chair. They were alone in the Emperor's council chamber. The last two left after a fraught session. For a start, it'll make you look like a homicidal maniac, Dad. I can foist that onto Slythe. He lives and dies by the ratings. You're talking about murdering an entire species. The first alien contact, for all we know, the only other race in the known universe. And the first thing you're doing is annihilating them. Not to mention that you'll have the death of thousands on you. Thousands of animals. They have a culture. They have language and traditions and. (laughs) Ariadne sank back into her seat a little and took a deep breath, aware that she was beginning to sound shrill. It's wrong on a fundamental level. He steepled his gloved fingers. Ariadne, they represent a danger to the Empire and therefore something that must be dealt with. So open up peace talks again, she said, a little too quickly. They've shown they that... They started the war we're in, now, by betraying our trust at the first peace talks, Cutter said. I'll not put innocence at risk again. I'll go, Ariadne said desperately. A high-ranking official from this side, they'll surely want a prisoner if they don't want to talk. Certainly not. She sank back into her seat as he stared at her, unblinking. Ariadne, you are my daughter and heir to my throne. One day you will sit where I sit now as Empress and you will see the wisdom in my decision. She was shaking her head, but he carried on relentlessly. In the last week since you came back from Noctis Point, you've done everything you can to slow my execution of the spiders. The arsenal is in position and, at a word from me, we'll begin the bombardment. He leaned forward, and did something she'd rarely seen, showed weakness. He rubbed his eyes, allowing some of the tiredness through. I am running out of options, Ariadne. The ground-based war is costly, and even among the council, some are beginning to question why we haven't already done something like this. I need their support. And I need yours. I've already withdrawn the ground troops to a safe orbit, ready for the bombardment. Do you have anything concrete, any sort of real evidence or reasoning that would lead me to stay my hand? Ariadne's mind whirled through all the conversations she'd had with him. The possibility of reprisals, the sheer crassness of an act so high-handed, the ethics of genocide. She shook her head, defeated. The Emperor pressed a button on his desk. General, order the attack. He sat back. As the signal made its way to Jupiter and back, the next three quarters of an hour were interminable. That's it, Ariadne thought. The order has been given. I failed. Any other countermanding order would now not reach the ships in time. She sat, freezing cold, although she knew the room was warm. An aide brought in coffee and she wrapped her fingers around the mug, trying to warm them. A large hollow projector came on, showing Jupiter and its moons before zooming in on a large collection of red dots suspended near Ganymede. The moon, larger than Earth's own moon, Ariadne knew, was a grayish red, its pockmarked surface looking inhospitable to life. And that had been true, at least for human life. But for generations, millennia, the Jovian farmers had scratched out their lives on its surface, unnoticed and undetected, and now their time was at an end. "'What about Europa?' she asked dully. "'One planet at a time,' Cutter said, and Ariadne's eyes burned with unshed tears at the callous statement. One of the soft screens draped over Ariadne's leg chimed quietly, and Sarah's face appeared. "'Any luck?' "'No,' Ariadne said, standing up and moving to a quiet corner,' Where have you been? Even I have days off, Ariadne, Sarah said, smiling. Remember? There's so much to do, and you're shopping or something, Ariadne tutted. Well, I hope it was worth it. A nasty silence opened up, and Ariadne realised she'd said the wrong thing as Sarah frowned. I mean, well, Your Imperial Highness, actually, I spent the day visiting my grandmother. She's old, lonely. Ariadne felt her eyes well up. Sarah, I'm sorry. That was unfair of me and really out of line. The silence came again and the dots on the projector began a slow dance, finally approaching Ganymede. Sarah came back. What's wrong, Ariadne? Dad ordered the attack. I couldn't stop it. Has it happened? By now, yes. We're just getting the signal now tears fell silently from her eyes as everything piled up on her. I couldn't stop it. Helplessly, Ariadne watched as the dots moved into an attack formation, knowing that Slythe himself was on the largest dot, the flagship of the Astral Navy, the Emperor's Hand. She remembered when, as a very young girl, the ship had been christened. Her father had made some speech about it being a hand reaching out to the stars in acceptance and peace. That hand has become a fist, she thought. A cloud of small dots burst out of each of the attacking ships, missiles designed with planet decimation in mind. With the unification of the world, nuclear weapons had largely been catalogued and stored, only to be tweaked and brought out again once the war had started. Enough weapons had just left the torpedo bays to change the thin atmosphere of Ganymede to fire and ash, to turn the sandy soil into glass and gouge out craters that would remodel the face of the planetoid beyond anything it had endured in its billions of years of existence. The red dots blinked closer. They weren't quite rendered in real time, of course, but the effect was the same. One of tenseness. Closer. Closer. A mere millimetre away from the projected planet. The dots blinked out. What? Ariadne heard her father mutter. She wiped her face, hardly daring to hope. Your Highness, there has been a negative impact. General Sly's voice echoed out of the speaker, following on from the broadcast displayed on the hollow projector. The missiles were on target towards Ganymede, however. Approximately a hundred meters before they were due to enter the moon's atmosphere, they. He broke off. They disappeared. A large black void opened, covering the planet like a shield of some sort, but black as space. The missiles didn't go off. There's a negative on the radiation levels as well. They're just not there anymore. A long pause, the open connection humming slightly. Then Slythe came back, his tone equal parts disbelief and anger. Reports coming in that ghosts have taken back all of the forward ground bases we set up. They apparently started moving as soon as the order was given to withdraw. We've lost all the progress we've made in the past two years. I'll be back on Earth in about three hours, Your Highness, to discuss further movements. The armies will remain in orbit here, pending further orders. The connection closed with a soft chime, and Ariadne allowed herself a sigh of relief. Her father stretched, his hands in the small of his back. It was a strangely human gesture, one she wasn't used to seeing from a man who thought more about how he looked to his audience than any of the elected officials. Thoughts? The machine, she replied, without a doubt. Some sort of protection. Dad, what if we've pissed it off? We blatantly can't destroy it. And it's keeping the Jovians alive for whatever reason. That was my conclusion as well, he said. What would you do? Send envoys to the machine, Ariadne said immediately. She saw his expression change and hastily added, because it's going to destroy us if we don't. Because it's an enemy we created and basically... One we don't understand in the slightest. We can't, the Emperor said, and the steel was back in his posture, in his voice. The Empire has had precisely one interaction with the machine until today, and it destroyed an entire country, scarred a continent. Mothers sometimes get injured in childbirth, Ariadne said softly, and it left us gifts. The half-light engine. None of this would be possible without the machine. It can't hurt to at least try... Ariadne, daughter. How would I be able to tell the Empire's fathers, mothers, their sons and daughters that we are reaching out to the ally of the enemy we fight daily? He shook his head. Instead, I plan to tell them what a useful tactical exercise today's engagement was without going into much detail. Perhaps I'll cite equipment malfunction. You're going to lie to them. Ariadne shook her head in disbelief. Of course you are. Another fact-filled address from the Imperial Palace. The populace are easily led. Governance is easier if they are happy. A questioning population would mean time lost to debate. Drawn-out discussion, decisions becoming delayed, it's not effective leadership. He shrugged. It's practical. It's not how I would do it, she replied levelly. You're not Empress yet. My decision is final. Ariadne got up, pushing her chair back from the table. "'Very well, then. Thank you for your time, your Imperial Highness.' Without a backward glance, she walked out of the dark council chamber, her back straight to hide her heartbreaking. You've been listening to chapter 19 of my novel Noctis Point. If you've enjoyed listening to this why not check out stevecookfiction.com where you'll find more episodes of Pocket Fiction and also blogging about writing.